0: You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam.
1: Welcome to day 207 and 208 of walking through the scriptures, engaging the story of God in a uh, kind of a storytelling way. We're going through every chapter, every book, and we are in the middle of it. Did you ever think we'd get to day 208, Matt? You know... Honestly, I don't know. I was, it was all up in the air. Yeah, I think we just started it and hoped for the best. And <laughs> thought, you know, maybe we'll stop at Leviticus and no one will notice. <laughs> well, <laughs> we don't know if anyone's this noticed but that we've kept going, but we're still going. So,
0: <laughs> new book day, new book. Yeah, this is a great book. What, what book are we? All in? right, our Old Testament reading, yeah, our. Yeah. Old Testament reading for today, thank you. It's 1 Chronicles chapter 1 through chapter 4 verse 8.
1: And this is really a blues intro, I got to say, because the book of Chronicles ah, get some coffee. The book of Chronicles, you might say, what's the difference between Chronicles and Kings?
0: Yeah, and there's about a
1: 130 year
0: difference. I'm actually so glad that if you're following along with this reading, yes. That it did break up Kings and Chronicles. Otherwise, your immediate reaction is, why? Go crazy. Are we reading this again? I read through the Bible a couple
1: times, Mm -hmm. just directly as a young person and in college and then in seminary. And by the time you get to Chronicles after Kings, you're like, why?
0: You're like, skip!
1: And at this point, you're just trying to say you've read the Bible, Mm -hmm. and you're far enough into it, you're like, let's keep going. And so you skip over all the genealogies and all these Mm -hmm. things. But this time around, since we're sitting around a fictional campfire talking about it, there's some things that I realized that make so much more sense. Mm -hmm. For instance, this book was composed in 430 BC, after Jerusalem is restored, after they've Ju- uh, Judah has been taken away and held captive in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, they've been called back, they've restored the walls, they've restored the temple, and now the chronicles are written cool. by a Levite.
0: By a Levite, and yes. And so
1: he's focusing on two things. Mm. What's he focusing on? God's promise through the, to bless them through the house of David mm-hmm. and the role of the temple throughout their history of cool. all these kings. And so the, chron- the chronicler is now coming from a place of experiencing God's wrath, sadness, but with some hope. Mm-hmm. And so it's just helpful to realize Kings was written at the time of the Assyrian siege yes. in the
0: north. Things are going bad in the north.
1: And so um, it's not they're not even fully in exile yet, mm-hmm. but it's all happening. So as Kings is being written, it's from a northern perspective, and that's why all the good and the bad of David and Solomon and all the mm-hmm. sins of the kings are listed because they're sensing Oh man, we are reaping what we're sowing
0: right at the end here.
1: And so that's just helpful to realize now we're going to look at the history of the Kings and the people, because we're coming back. The people of God are coming back. It's a remnant has Mm -hmm. been saved. And so they're going, why have we been saved? What has allowed for this? So we're not focusing on all the bad things. We're focusing on the role of the word of God and seek the Lord and how that has kept even a small remnant, Mm -hmm. you know, of, uh, of the true Israel, so so, so that's why I think it starts off with um, genealogy is to remind everybody you're part of something bigger even though you've been wiped out and almost decimated mm-hmm. and God's calling you from all these different places now back, you are part of something bigger, so check out the family that you're a part of. I don't know. That's
0: yeah. So uh, that's it's it's know. again it's happening. This is being written 150 years after First and Second Kings were written. Correct. And the temple has been rebuilt, Jerusalem has been restored, and they're not seeing this great, like, messianic reign yet. And there's kind of, I think, also this, people are kind of losing momentum at this point in history. Right. They're kind of going... Wait, I thought like we would come back, we would rebuild everything, God would dwell with us, and all the nations of the world are going to come to Jerusalem it again and worship. Yeah, it's but very, why isn't it happening? Very
1: human, yeah. like We've done the thing, <clears throat> it's taken years to rebuild, it's taken all sorts of faith and courage and battles, and God's mm-hmm. showed up again. But yeah, when do we get our unified kingdom that blesses the whole
0: earth? So this Levite is taking all of his sources, all of the prophets, all of... Um, everything that he has, and he's looking at the promises of God, and he's trying to restore hope that God has still is true to his word and that one day there will be um, a Messiah that will come and God will dwell with us.
1: And you have to remember <clears throat> the way history works is and for all people, usually every generation, you look to the past. The reason we study history
0: yeah.
1: is to look to the past to ensure our future, mm-hmm. to remember what has worked and what's gone well and who we are, and it's to inspire. And so the Chronicler begins. The, the way it's kind of focused, too, is there's like these circles. Mm-hmm. right? So the outermost circle is all humanity. Yes, And that's the thing we'll even talk about in Romans, that remember, God chose Israel. Well, even at the beginning of Chronicles, Everything goes back to Adam. Yes. So we were thinking about this, is that every human on earth is a child of God. Yes. Like God has made all these people, yet they have rebelled and gone away from him. And so when he chooses Israel, it's not like I choose you to be saved. I choose you to be my instrument of salvation of Mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm choosing you, Israel, to tell (laughs) all your wayward brothers and sisters that have come from your father Adam yes. about me and restore what they know deep in their heart that they are created to be eternal. Mm-hmm. And so that's why even Chronicles is kind of beginning with humanity. Then it goes to like the friends and all the relations of Israel because we'll meet like all the Esau's and all the, the different people group that are still kind of related to Israel.
0: Yeah, so it goes from Adam to n- really Noah. Then it breaks out through Noah's three sons and then it zeroes in on of those three sons, Shem.
1: Right. So I got humanity. It's related to Israel's friends. All those out. Then you start getting because you're getting almost to the tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. Then inner circles, tribes of Israel. But then even more inner, we'll get Judah, Levi, and Benjamin. And then, and, and- then the real hot white center of this book is for the post exilic Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So that is maybe you are went to Assyria, maybe you went to Babylon, doesn't matter, you are the people of God, and you don't even know what tribe you're in now. Yeah. You just know you're part of the people of God. You're some kind of Israelite, Jewish, Judah or Israel, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Now that's who this book is for. Mm-hmm. You're a believer and a remnant. Right. So God has washed away those kind of lines for you because of sin and disobedience, and you failed to be the light to the world. All right, so, so that's we, that's what the whole thing's to to, <clears throat> to establish... A, a post-exile nation as a continuation of ancient Israel into the future. And then what you already did was get us to through. You start reading all the names, and it's another genealogy, mm-hmm. which gets us to Israel, the 12 tribes. And then I don't know if you found anything interesting. Or well,
0: yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is uh, we have, like, basically, we're going to go nine chapters of genealogy, but right yeah. now we're up to chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, out of all of that, did anything stand out to you in chapter? We'll just go chapter by chapter. Yes. Chapter one. Any names jump it was, out at
1: you? The names that jump out. I mean <clears throat> of course there's Shem and Abraham and Isaac and mm-hmm. but I think for me what stuck out was Judah.
0: Yes. So you know, he's
1: not the firstborn son. We've talked about that, how Judah and he struggles and yeah. and has some issues, especially I just I'm thinking of the women that were listed.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: After Judah. So you have Tamar. Who is a, um, a Canaanite,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then through Tamar you have Perez, and, and but even before that you have I think Rahab. Rahab was. Um, Rahab's after. Oh yeah, Rahab's after. She's a Canaanite. Then you're gonna follow the line to Ruth, a Moabite, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then you're gonna have David be with Bathsheba, who's a Hittite. Mm-hmm. And so like just listing some of those women, you can see the thing that struck out to me is even as we focus in on Judah and the house of David, you can see how all the nations are finding their way in there. Into the line. So like Christ's line <clears throat> mm-hmm. is muddled with sinners and uh, the disobedient children. Mm-hmm. It's muddled with children who weren't chosen to be the priests, the nation of priests. Yeah. But it's in there because Christ is coming to save all nations. He represents all nations. Yes. It's pretty cool. So I that jumped out to me, the Davidic line. Through Tamar and uh, all the way down. And I think it goes like Perez, Hezron, Ram, Amenidab, Nashon, Salmon, Boaz, Obed, Jesse, and then David, the seventh son. Of yeah. eight. Um, so anyway, that jumped out to me. Uh, <clears throat> that he won't give up, God won't give up on yeah. our families, even though we're kind of a. Mental.
0: I think uh, one of the fun little sidelines is with Caleb, who was oh, yeah. one of the. Uh, 12 spies that went to spy out the land uh he after they took the land um took a good portion of judah for his inheritance and ended up uh establishing bethlehem ephratah where uh jesus was ultimately born and where david was born which i think is why his line is like really listed because he's Mm -hmm. not in the lineage of david He's of the tribe of Judah, but he's not in the lineage. But he established Bethlehem Ephrata, and it was even he named it after his wife. Anyways, yeah. Kind of a cool. Well, story.
1: and as you're reading this, you do get the sense <clears throat> that you're like you found someone's family diary or yeah. something. And and there's a reason for that, because we're Gentiles, mm-hmm. most of us. Yeah. And we've been grafted in, and so we're grafted in through Christ. And so yeah, this is all before us. So it's good for us to see God's faithfulness. Again, you look at the past to ensure your future. So you're looking at a bunch of messed up people, but because God put his mercy on Mm -hmm. them, you see his word not fail. And so even through these people and through his mercy, he's bringing about Christ. And so we know even through our messed up families and our lineage of faithfulness and unfaithfulness, God still, there's hope for us that God will bless, because he wants to bless us all. Mm -hmm. I did think chapter three was interesting with the sons of David. You start to realize, oh, when he was in Hebron for those whatever six or seven years mm-hmm. I think. yeah he had six sons and then when he was in jerusalem he had nine um when he united i'm just remembering oh yeah david really united the whole thing yes it was the glory years of david and solomon were 80 years where mm-hmm. all of israel was united and strong and blessed <clears throat> and uh he had a he had about 15 kids and then um there was one section where it basically just reminds you of all the children. Because in Judah, they kept the Davidic line, right, for the kings. Yeah, Whereas in yeah. Israel, if you recall, it was full of coup d'etats and mm-hmm. uh, and different people taking over. So you kind of see a recap of that, and um, it's just more genealogy. But this year, I'm reading it going, I'm not just skipping through it trying to finish it. Right. And I can see, I'm, I guess what I'm seeing is, God's faithfulness to our families, mm-hmm. which is good to hear.
0: Yeah. Well, what was interesting, too, is when you get to, um, in chapter 3, uh, verse 16, you get the descendants of Jehoiakim, and then you get Je- Jeconiah, Jeconiah yeah, which just is like another... Uh, say it
1: with confidence. Jeconiah. There you
0: go. Uh, <clears throat> if you, Which is start. actually Jehoiachin, who had gotten... Exiled, taken into captivity by Assyria, and eventually fell into favor with one of the kings, and was taken to the king's table. And his and then you just list, you see that he was he had a bunch of kids during that time, yeah. and and God just blessed the line and kept the line going even through exile. Right. Well, which God, is so cool.
1: God can keep one. See, like the <clears throat> idea of even just keeping like Mephibosheth. Mm-hmm. Remember for uh, yeah for Saul. For it keeps things alive, and so it's making me think about it comes down to Christ, mm-hmm. and just one person, God can keep his whole movement alive, and we can be a part of saving the world. Um, I also, yeah, so the thought, the, the overwhelming thought for me is all this comes from a shepherd boy, David, mm-hmm. and so the hope is God can do so much with us, and uh, we're just called to seek him and be faithful.
0: Yeah.
1: The best we can. Even when we're not, he forgives us. He's ready to bless. But that's that's chronicles. So we're excited to get through these. We got to get through another five chapters of genealogy, and then we'll start getting into the stories of all the kings. Some interesting stuff in those
0: genealogies, though. We'll try to make it.
1: You're you're doing it, you guys. You're getting through chronicles. All right, let's go to the New Testament. There's so much to say today.
0: Mm. Where are we? Our New Testament reading for today is Romans chapter nine, verse twenty-two through chapter eleven, verse ten.
1: Again, we are in the dense, deep, beautiful <laughs> rainforest of Paul's mind. Um, <laughs> Paul is, i you know, let's just get into it. I, I want to, like, recap, but if I recap, we'll be here, you know, for two hours. Um, read Romans chapter 8, maybe every day for a month, and then you'll just, all you'll come out with it is, there's a lot of good stuff, and you'll remember, there's a lot of good stuff in that mm-hmm. chapter. Um, but in chapter nine, we're in the middle of Paul's dealing with the question now of God's sovereignty, but really he's talking to the Jews because Mm -hmm. the Jews are saying, what about us? We're the chosen ones. Mm -hmm. And Paul's having to remind them, yeah, chosen to be God's instrument, like prophet to the world. That's what you were chosen for. You weren't chosen to be saved because you're different or better. You're the same. You're all mm-hmm. under sin. And then, you know, read chapters one through seven and then eight. Um, but nine here, he's saying, okay, so the objection is, if God's will is always going to be done, how can we be held accountable for our actions? Right. So they're saying, well, you're, <clears throat> you're saying, Paul, that God's mercy and his election, we don't have to worry about what we do then. And Paul's answer is, of course, uh, no, you're wrong. You do
0: have to worry about it.
1: Well, and he says... Um, We're not accountable. How can we be held? So how can God hold us accountable? And what Paul does is say, uh, first of all, you're in no position to hold God accountable. So basically what's happening is people, he's saying, how are you going to ask God to be up to what standard? So you're Mm -hmm. saying, God, you can't punish us for sins if we didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And Paul is saying, okay, I'm not going to answer that question because the assumption is you can keep God accountable right and that's why he goes into is this where he goes into the uh, clay and the
0: yes yeah yeah verse 22 uh, what if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory
1: right and so here's here's what it boils down to for us in our context. You will meet a lot of people and you will meet yourself in this conversation where you have an idea that um, if God is good, there should be no evil in the world. And wherever Mm -hmm. there's evil or there's Mm -hmm. suffering, it's like we then hold God accountable and say, God, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. I can't believe in you and I'm not Mm going to believe that you're real because I can see this and that's wrong. And so you're making yourself the judge and you're holding God accountable. Right. And the reality is. You're only breathing because of God's mercy. Right. You can't even begin to understand. And so what Paul is saying, don't put yourself as judge over God. Right. Which is what our culture does Mm -hmm. and what we feel really enlightened and we feel really arrogant about. We constantly do that. And I have to admit... I try to answer people in their arrogance and try Mm -hmm. to prove to them, like, here's why God can do this, and here's what makes God good. Yeah, we're trying
0: to justify God.
1: Right. And you know what? We don't have to justify God. No. It's like, okay, if you want to judge God, you can. Yeah. I don't even know what standard you're using, because the standard you're using is the standard God set forth in the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. So, like, even the idea of not murdering is a standard God set up. So, if you're going to judge God, you can't use his standard. Use your standard. Mm -hmm. Oh, where did you get your standard, and how do you keep it? And that's what Paul's saying here is basically be careful, you're messing yeah. with God and he is the potter and you are the lump of clay.
0: Yeah, and I think it all kind of boils down to we are all vessels of wrath. Right. Like, we he, all deserve God's wrath.
1: So even, even the chosen nation of Israel.
0: Yes, we all deserve God's wrath and the fact that we get anything else is God's patience and his mercy.
1: Oh, and that's why he uses Hosea Mm-hmm. He actually quotes Hosea and quotes the name of one of the, um, the children. Yeah. You are not my children. You are yeah. not my people. And he's doing that to say, look, I had mercy on Israel. Yeah. You guys, you had it all and you walked away. Yes. See, so like I God is a God of mercy. So you don't get to hold him accountable, but you are not my people. And God, they will be called sons of the living God. So he's saying, look, God has already acted with even Israel. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that the Jews that Paul is writing to is a mix or they feel purer mm-hmm. because they're from Judah or something. Mm-hmm. And so he is saying that, you know how much you hate the North and hate Samaria, right. even you hate Samaria because it's mixed and they worship false gods. Right. God had mercy on them, didn't he? Yeah. And then he goes on to use Isaiah uh, and talk about the, um, the remnant.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: says, look, Israel should have been like Sodom and Gomorrah, but God acted in his mercy. Yeah. So don't worry about... You, the, last, the least of your worries is, well, so God's not holding me... Like, it doesn't matter what I do.
0: No. It does matter what you yeah. do. Uh, history has obviously stated it's yeah. mattered what you do.
1: And God is merciful. That's the point there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he shows... I think he's showing God's mercy to the disobedient and guilty Israel... And how slow to anger, and how gracious he's been. Um, and then Paul is like lamenting his brothers. I mean, that's well. Like then three he kind of, of
0: ten, right? Well, he breaks down in like thirty, uh, real quick, in chapter nine. Yes, yeah. The last part of chapter nine, verse thirty. He he breaks down the two sides. He has Gentiles uh, did not pursue righteousness. Um, uh, who did not pursue righteousness have attained righteousness. Right. That is a righteousness that is by faith. but Israel tried to attain their righteousness through following the law. And
1: this is what he's going to set up now. Yes. So what
0: we're going to be reading is, yeah,
1: you have to think of it as now Paul is shifting to righteousness by works versus righteousness by,
0: by faith. faith. And so you're either a children of you're either a child of faith and the promise or you're a child of law and death.
1: And the righteousness that comes by faith has historically been a stumbling block for Israel. They've preferred to do it on their own, Mm -hmm. in their own way. Mm -hmm. And that's been the stumbling block. And so then Paul is, so I think Paul sets up, I'm about to fully explain to you in chapter 10 Mm -hmm. through through 1110, Israel's unbelief, but I want you to know it comes down to righteousness of works versus righteousness of faith. And in the beginning of 10, he's like, and know my heart. Yeah, I desire and pray to God for them. You guys are my brothers. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes.
0: Mm -hmm. So Paul's
1: going to be hitting, this is why you're the same as the Gentiles. We all come in through the righteousness of Christ by faith. So now let's break that down. Um, you know, he has to begin where it all starts, with Moses. Mm-hmm. So he does the message of salvation is for all. And I think he's saying, like, look, Moses gave you the law um, to live by them. You were supposed to live by the righteousness, uh, but you were never supposed to live by it on your own. You are supposed to live by it by faith. faith yes. And you've missed the point. I feel like he's Paul's saying, you guys are kind of like spoiled children here. Mm-hmm. The point is not that we're going to get our inheritance and why are you giving it away to the gentiles? Right. It's like no, you're supposed to live with me. Um so he he quotes Deuteronomy. I mm-hmm. thought it was an amazing quote. I feel like I'm ahead of myself. I missed some things. But no, this is all good. No, no. We're so 10
0: verse 7.
1: Yeah. T- he actually quotes Deuteronomy and you and you realize the quote from Deuteronomy is to say essentially Christ is not unreachable. Right. Even in Deuteronomy, he says, it's not too high, it's not too low, the word is in your heart. Mm-hmm. That's Deuteronomy. Yeah. So Paul quotes it and tries to remind them, like, remember what it said? It says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Mm-hmm. And then he says, that is the word of faith that we proclaimed you. So now he's setting up the argument, faith versus works. Mm-hmm. And so um, he's like, you can do it. You can fulfill the law by faith. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get a famous verse that um, breaks down the components of faith. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So there's an inner and outer. So the inner is you're trusting in Christ, you're believing in him, and then you're confessing outwardly, which is what Israel could not do they couldn't really believe that God would take care of them. And then they stopped confessing altogether and confessed mm-hmm. other gods yes. outwardly. And I was just thinking how important it is that we get together in worship and we confess what we believe together. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of our assurance and um, and the fact that it's strengthening this faith that we are living by.
0: Yeah, and then he uses this all to unite mm-hmm. uh, Jew and Greek together, saying... Because he's stating, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he's like, it's for the whole world. It's, no lo- it's not just for one nation. But it
1: was never for one it nation. It was
0: never for one nation. It was always for everyone. It was always.
1: Even Israel, they mm-hmm. could have been a unified nation that welcomed and blessed other nations and yes. led them to their God because everyone back then would have said, your God's so powerful, I, I need to worship it. Right. But they missed it by um, disobedience. And so, yeah, all will be saved. And I love it says, a verse that I kind of hold in my heart is, you will not be ashamed. You'll never be ashamed for believing in Christ. Yes. Because that's what we feel sometimes. Like, am I a fool for believing Mm -hmm. this? But you'll never be ashamed. But now he gets into the, the nitty gritty, right? So he's even breaking down further. Yes. So he's like, I know the questions you guys have. Well, how will they call on him and who they have not believed? So, like, again, we're trying to figure out God's culpability in our disbelief.
0: Yes. Yeah, we're always trying to shift the blame to someone else. But, God, you didn't tell Which, me. Which, now that I'm thinking about it, is exactly what Adam and Eve did. Right. Was they shifted the blame. You gave me this woman. Like, Adam blamed God for the sin that he did. So, right. we're, that's what, we're just recognize, that's where we're always at. So, this Paul is, like, answering the question of our hearts where we're trying to prove... That really, it's not our fault that we're sinning or in this state of sin. It's God's fault. And so we're trying to say, God, yeah. you didn't tell me. Like the, uh, very much like the uh, rich man yes. in hell, in the parable. At least tell my brothers. He's like, someone should have told me. At least tell my brothers. And Jesus is like, yeah, if they didn't listen to Moses and Abraham. And the prophets. And the prophets, then it doesn't matter well
1: in fact they killed those guys yeah and and so yeah he asked the questions because then how will they call on him and who they have not believed and how mm-hmm. are they to believe and whom they've never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and he's answering all the questions to get to this point because it's the point of um, like the Jews will, will act like we didn't know see the Jews not just Jews all people yes we try to we try to hide behind ignorance mm-hmm. like that's what you're saying we just didn't know And Paul says, oh, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. And so he's quoting in Isaiah, because in Isaiah, you have people coming back heralding Mm -hmm. that Babylonian exile is over. Right. And everyone heard that. Mm -hmm. When the war is over, you get it.
0: Yeah, you hear that and you rejoice. When the
1: tax has been lifted or when you're free, everyone rejoices. That guy runs back and says, we won. Mm -hmm. There's parades for the Super Bowl. Like, I know when my team wins, Mm -hmm. no question, no doubt. I know what to do. I know what to feel. I know how to act. Isn't that funny? Yeah. But he says, but when Christ comes announcing the end of our exile to death, it's over. We're going to live forever now yeah we you killed them. yeah and he's like it's not that you haven't heard the voice has gone out and i've made it all clear but i ask did israel not understand and then he quotes moses and moses says oh no i know that you understood mm-hmm. because he says i will make you jealous of those who are not a nation and with a foolish nation i will make you angry and then isaiah says similar things And what he's saying is the Gentiles, people who were not even looking for God, have found it. Mm -hmm. That's how obvious and open I have made it. I have communicated so clearly that people who are not interested in God have found God. Yes. And so I'm sorry, Israel, you cannot use ignorance. You must recognize Mm -hmm. you have chosen to kill the prophets because it wasn't the most comfortable thing. You didn't like it. It was disrupting your
0: thing. Yeah, we... Again, it all comes down to the reality of we are condemning ourselves. Yes. We cannot blame God. We cannot blame other people. It is you. It is me. We condemn ourselves. And we've done this to ourselves. And there's no excuse for us not to know about God. Because even creation proclaims
1: Because then the next spoiled child thing is, well, how does it work? How do we get this faith you're talking about? And Mm -hmm. that's where Paul's like, it comes through the word. Yes. I've given you my word. The Holy Spirit uses the word to create faith in people. So when you hear about Jesus right now, if you've Mm -hmm. never heard about Jesus, and I say, look, you're dying in your sin, and you're setting your own standards arbitrarily. You're the one that is absurd, not God. And um, you need God. But then I say, you can cry out in the name of Jesus, and he will save you and comfort you. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit can use that to lead you to faith and save you. So that's what he's saying. It's worked through um, repentance, which by repentance, we mean there's contrition, there's some fear. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, I don't want to set my own rules and die by my own rules. Mm -hmm. Good. Now you put your faith in Christ, and you're absolved. And so now you can be comforted. So it comforts the conscience and delivers from the terror when you see the reality of what you've done apart from God. But then the last question that we're going to cover today is, well, it just sounds like God's rejected his people. Right. So he's given it to the Gentiles because he hates the um, the Israelites now. Yeah. And Paul's like, no. No. I'm an Israelite. Right. No. I am from Abraham. And then he recalls Elijah. And mm-hmm. he's like, look, Elijah thought he was the last one. And there were 7,000. Yes. Yes. God has remnants. I'm a remnant. And what you need to know is even those who did not seek me will find me. Mm-hmm. God's mercy is always available. All day, God is holding out his hand. The yes. problem is not ignorance. It is disobedience. So repent yes. and calm, be comforted, your, your terrorized conscience. God has not rejected his people. No. He has a remnant. Do not be hardened. God is near. Turn to him and trust in his grace. Please, my brothers. Right. You're without excuse. The other people had no hope of being God's people. So yeah, they can live, they can actually kind of live in a little bit of ignorance, even though they're not
0: mm-hmm. ignorant.
1: They're in disobedience, but they never receive the promises. Mm-hmm. They don't have the family line, but you do. Mm-hmm. Come on. So Paul's talking to his brothers and he's saying, God is ready. Even if you've been a hardened jerk to God, in Christ, turn right now and he'll forgive you while, while you're still alive. Do yeah. it.
0: Anyway, that's uh, that's Romans 9. This is the nitty-gritty, well, Romans 9, 10, and part of 11.
1: We're in the nitty-gritty of working out, but working out election, working out foreknowledge of God, working out justification, all these great theological mm-hmm. ideas. But overall, Paul is saying God is merciful.
0: Yeah.
1: You, if, as soon as you leave the belief that God is merciful... You're on your own. Yes. It's like Adam and Eve. Yes, They didn't admit right away, right? So let's go back. Yeah. They justified because they're, the sin that entered in was disbelief that God mm-hmm. is merciful because now you're under the law. There is no mercy under the law. You get it. So now you're, once you realize you're going to get what you deserve, that's when you hide. That's mm-hmm. when you're full of fear. That's when you hurt other people to save yourself. And so we have to protect and maintain the reality at our core of Christianity is God is merciful, always waiting. He's made himself known through word, through deed, through spirit. He has Mm -hmm. sent his son. He has come to us. No other God in the history of the world even pretends to have their God come to you, Mm -hmm. let alone dwell in you and speak to you clearly. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
0: (sighs) All right. This leads you into a doxology. Our psalm for today is Psalm 89, verses 14 through 18. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exalt in your name all the day, and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength, By your favor, our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel.
1: Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.